Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 11, and we're going to read all the way to verse 16. Same verses of Scripture that we, that we read last week. Are you ready? Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Who remembers what those governmental offices are called? The five-fold ministry. We have the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are gifts from Jesus of governmental offices for the whole body of Christ. I'm not just referring to a singular local church. These are gifts from Jesus that are governmental offices for the whole body of Christ, all right? The capital C church, all right? So what's this called again? The fivefold. Let's continue to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want to speak to you today from the topic of, I am called by God to do great works. All right? Why don't you just declare that over yourself? I am called by God to do great works. Lay hands on your head one time and tell yourself, I, yes me, am called by God to do great works in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your word that is eternal, that always accomplishes your intent when you release it. There is never a word that returns to you void. So we say, thank you, God, for accomplishing your purpose through your word. We receive it today in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. You can be seated. I am called by God to do great works. Tell your neighbor, say, yes, that means you. I am called by God to do great works works. There are a number, of, a number of people in the room that probably don't believe that. And, and we're going to work today on encouraging everybody in the room to believe that. My pastoral experience with this church, however, is that there are more people in the room that believe that. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but we have a lot of people who come to this church that have either been in full-time vocational ministry of some sort or are called and passionately pursuing full-time vocational ministry of some sort. Has anybody noticed that? This house is filled with missionaries. How many in the room, you've done a ministry school of some sort before? Look at that. My God. 
That's amazing. How many people in the room, you've been on a short or long-term mission trip before? It's like that emoji with the big eyes. How many of you in the room, you listened to last week's sermon and you said, five-fold ministry, got it, that's me. Listen, I know some of you are going to be shy right now. You're going to be like, I don't want to lift my hands. But listen, let me give you permission. Don't be shy. If last week you were listening to the sermon and, and you heard the descriptions of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, and you said, God's speaking to me today, go ahead, lift your hand. Come on, be bold. Look at that. Come on. That's amazing. I would guess that's more than 10% of the people in the room. And that is abnormal. That's abnormal, all right? So even if you look into the Old Testament, you look at the nation of Israel, about 10% of its citizens were priests, all right? So you have about one-tenth of the people of God that were appointed by God to serve God as full-time vocational ministers, meaning that was not only their calling, but it was also their career. So about 10%. I would guess that the number of people that attend church in America today, that number would probably be less than 10% in most larger churches. I would guess that. Now, I don't want to be attacking at all, but... I think, just my own observations, that church in our context has become a spectator sport. So we come to church and we'd have a hard time with some of our church experiences today reconciling them with the prescriptive experiences of the church in New Testament Scripture. Are you guys with me so far? Because we've, we've morphed a bit to where church is no longer something we are a part of, but church is something that we go to. It's organized for me as an event. It's not an organism that is alive called the body of Christ that I contribute to as one of its members. Church in our context has become kind of a pay-to-play system, right? Like I tithe for you to entertain me. I pay you, pastor and the staff, to do the work of the ministry so that I don't have to because I'm not called to it. So you should be providing all of these services for me. I mean, after all, we call our church worship experiences services. So, so we approach the church with the same lens as we approach a buffet restaurant. Don't we? I'm going to go and see what they got on the hot bar. And if they're not serving the dish that I like, I'm just going to go to another restaurant. You you see what I'm saying? And they're going to get my business over there. But if you look at the New Testament church, there is no way that you could read the Scripture and reconcile that type of approach to church with that of the Bible and the new covenant community as described for us in the book of Acts and the epistles. There is no biblical way to defend Christianity separate from the church. It's quiet in here. There's no biblical way for you to defend a lifestyle of isolation completely disconnected from the body of Christ. You can't use the Bible to get to that place. And I hear a bunch of people trying, but for thousands of years, 
right? We have been able to observe the church and she is alive and she has lived through so many different eras of time. Persecution, survived and not only survived, but thrived. And the church today, no matter what comes against her, will not only survive, but thrive. And so church is something that we are a part of, part of the body, a part of the organism. It's not just an event or an organization that we attend when we wake up on Sunday morning and feel like going. So one of the things that I want to do up front is I want to challenge your theology, and I should probably say it like this, I want to challenge your ecclesiology, which is the understanding of the church biblically. I want to challenge your ecclesiology because if you have an ecclesiology that says you don't have to be a part of a church, a local church, you don't have to be a part of the church, you can just work out your own salvation in isolation, I would challenge you to go to the scripture and justify your position. You cannot. You don't outgrow the fellowship. You don't one day mature to a place to where you no longer need any accountability in your life. You never come to a place of spiritual maturity that says, I no longer need a pastor. I no longer need any leadership in my life. I don't need a shepherd. I don't need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I don't need the gifts that Jesus himself has personally given to the church for my maturity. I don't need any of that. In fact, I am good to work that out on my own. Thank you very much. You cannot go to the Bible and find a prescription for that kind of a lifestyle. You can't do it. Give it a shot. I welcome the emails, lyle at legacynashville.org. I would love to get the Bible study notes that you have on that. I mean, I love that, but you're not going to find it. You will not find it. So I want to challenge you in that. And I want to dive a little deeper into Ephesians chapter four, especially for all of you guys that said, that's me. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. Let's go. I'm here for it. But finding your office, if you feel called to it, is not like finding your Enneagram number. All right, when we're teaching on the fivefold ministry, we're not giving a personality test. Well, that sounds like me. I'm definitely called to be a pastor. Listen. The fivefold ministry is a multiplied manifestation of the ministry of Christ through varied offices. Not one person gets all of it. Why? Because we need each other because we're a part of the body. You with me? But if you're in here and you're like, I am certainly called to one of the offices, then what you're telling me is you are called to a lifestyle of full-time vocational ministry. It just got uncomfortable. If you say, I am called to be an apostle, here's what you're confessing. I am called to give my whole life for the whole body of Christ. I am called to be a prophet. Here's what you're confessing. I am called to give my whole life for the whole body of Christ. No matter what comes my way, I am committed to giving my whole life to minister to the people of God. I mean, if you can find uh, more scripture to justify operating in one of the fivefold offices and giving your life partially, I also welcome that Bible study because you'll never find it in the scripture. Whenever the apostle Paul had to defend his apostleship to the church, he did not say, I am an apostle because it is on my business card. I printed these out. (laughs) Paul didn't say, I'm an apostle because it's in my bio on my Instagram. I wrote it there. Paul didn't even say, I'm an apostle because I saw Christ. And he did. And that's one of the reasons I think that he is an apostle. But whenever Paul was asked to defend his apostleship, he said, I am an apostle because I suffer like an apostle. 
I have given my whole life for the whole body of Christ. I've been shipwrecked like three times. I've been stoned a lot. And I'm not talking about smoking. I mean, like, he's like, like, got to clarify today. I've been beat up. I've been stabbed. I've been hungry. I've been cold. I've been hot. I've been left for dead. And this church is why I'm an apostle. I've planted this church. Therefore, I'm your apostle. I correct you. I'm an apostle. You see see how it's happening in the scripture, right? And so I don't think there's a biblical methodology to defend your position as one of the government gifts to the church if you are withholding service from the body of Christ. Well, I am an apostle. You don't serve. You might be called to be an apostle, but you're not one today. Well, I, I, you know, I would, I, when people start respecting me, I'll get involved in the ministry around here. If they'd ever acknowledge my anointing. Sounds like y'all have heard that before. We're trying. We want to. We want to see the anointing. We just don't see it functioning. Because every time we ask people to serve, you disappear. And unfortunately, you're never, once again, more Bible, just referring back to the scripture, you're never going to find a definition of ministry in the entire Bible that does not manifest as serving. You'll never find it. Whenever Jesus said, you want to see what ministry looks like? Took that towel, wrapped it around his waist, knelt down and washed the stinky feet of a man who was about to betray him. If you want a picture of ministry, that's the best picture I got for you. I want to be in ministry. Are you sure? Do you want to be in ministry or do you just want a microphone? Do you want to be in ministry or do you just want a following? Because I can tell you this, Jesus got unfollowed all the time. No. And that's part of it. So I want to dive a little deeper into this because I want you to know, if you in here and you lifted your hand and said, yep, that's me, I want you to trailblaze towards that and we want to help you. We want to do everything that we can to see that gift in operation to its fullest extent in your life. We want to help you. Some of the ways we do that is through LSM. If you are in a season where you can be a part of that, it's not too late. We want you to get involved. Come to LSM. Other ways you can do that, get involved. Talk to your leaders on whatever serve team you're a part of. Go to your leader. Tell them, say, hey, I feel called. I want to be equipped. I want to grow. I want to get better. And I have received some DMs this week and text messages and phone calls about that this week. And I want to say thank you for that, guys. Keep them coming. Because if you're called to it, we want to plug you into it. We need more workers in the body of Christ. Can I get two good amens? Amen. So the fivefold ministry, which I'm going to... I'm going to express, I think it's safe for me to say I'm, I'm allowed, I've been given permission to express as a pastor, okay? In this season of my life, pastoring a local church, I think it's okay uh, for me to acknowledge that I'm a pastor, all right? And so what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about what biblically qualified leadership functioning in your life is supposed to accomplish, Okay, okay, all right, just checking your temperature. Um, If you look at verse 12, we just read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, um, we get a detailed job description of the fivefold ministry. It says that the fivefold ministry has been given to the church by Jesus for the purpose of to equip, everybody say equip, the saints, everybody say that's me, for the work, somebody say stop cussing. you can't say that word. Work. I'm allergic. I'm going to need an EpiPen. Somebody just talked about work. Of what? The ministry. All right. So your leadership as being a part of the church has a detailed job description that Jesus has given to them. And that is to equip you for the work of the ministry, 
to equip you for the work of the ministry. If you're thinking to yourself right now, that ain't me. Well, are you saved? Then you are a saint. And that means you. You are called to full-time ministry. I'm, I'm gonna try this out over here, y'all sleeping. If you are saved, you are called by Jesus to full-time ministry. All right. Notice, I, I didn't say full-time vocational ministry because some of us are called to be pastors. Some in here are called to be evangelists, prophets, pastors, uh, preachers, teachers. There's all kinds of different uh, ministries you might be called to as a career. But what I'm telling you is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 was written not to people who were called to be in full-time vocational ministry, but to every single saint that identifies with Christ as part of his body. If you are a saint, you are called by Jesus to be in full-time ministry. That means more than 40 hours a week, you're called to operate in your Christianity. It's not just like a two-hour thing on a Sunday. It's like all the time, I'm a saint, therefore I'm all the time supposed to be ministering to Jesus. Amen? And I'm ministering to people. Because I'm a saint. I'm called by Jesus. I've been set free and sanctified. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Therefore, I am a minister. Yeah. I'm, I'm not getting a whole lot of amen, except my wife. My wife's going in in the amen corner, and I got no more amens. Come on, Ben. I need you to help me. I'm going to need you to help me to be, today. We're all called, if we are Christians, to full-time ministry. And the whole idea of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 would suggest this. You don't go to church just to grow in your character. You go to church to also grow in your ministry. You don't go to church just to get through your most recent storm. You go to church to grow in your ministry calling as a saint. My job as a pastor is not just to make sure that you get through the tough spots in life and that you grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. My job as a pastor is to help you with those things, but to also help you with your ministry, with your calling, with your gifts, not just to be a better person, but to serve people better. So if we make church all about you becoming a better person, We've done half of the assignment. And I'm sorry to tell you guys, if you're checking this church out, you did not come to an Instagram church. Our goal is not to create the best possible party for you to take selfies in front of so that this can be a cool place that props up your identity. This is a church and to the best of our ability, we wanna submit ourselves to the head who is Jesus and say, Jesus, whatever's in the word, we're going to try our best to do it. We're not always going to get it right. Every now and then I'm going to offend people, and I'm sorry about that. I'm doing my best. But what, what we got to pursue it because we're called to do more than warm the bench. We're called to get in the game for God. We're called to contribute. You have something beautiful resting on your life. There is an anointing. There is an oil that was smeared upon you at salvation. And part of my job has to help you access that oil and say there are people who are dry. They are suffering. They don't know what you know. And we got to build you up so that you know that you're confident. Jesus works in you too, not just through the pastors. Jesus wants to work in you and me and all the other leadership of all the other churches, all the same. We are all saints. We just have different roles to play in different seasons of our lives. In this season, I'm the pastor. I'm not always going to be the pastor of this church, sorry to say. I wish that was the case, but at some point, I'm going to age and I'm going to need to step aside because I ain't going to be able to preach with the same passion and fervor anymore. I'm going to be sitting up here in my rocking chair, and y'all going to say, that's good every six weeks, but we don't want that every week. We're going to need some young blood in the pulpit. Our assignments are temporary, but our identity is eternal. And so you got to know, I'm a saint called by God, born for such a time as this. 
I have an assignment. I have a ministry. I got work to do. I got a contribution to make. I would suggest that you determine and decide and discover what is that contribution that Jesus has called and equipped you to make and make it. And make it. Because if church for you is all about growing as an individual, it's not enough. And I understand why you're unsatisfied. And I also understand I'm shooting myself in the foot by preaching this. I get it. Because it's like, hey, um, the pain required to achieve a vision will determine the size of people willing to follow it. Big pain means small crowds. But listen, this is what I understand. We are not about building big services. And we're doing three services, okay? I don't have a problem with big services. That's biblical also. Look at the temple courts. 3,000 people got saved in a day. How'd that happen if it wasn't a big service? (laughs) Well, I believe in small services only. Okay, so you're leaving out chunks of the Bible. Well, I believe in house church only. Okay, yep, I see that. They met house to house, but they also gathered in the temple courts. You're leaving out a chunk. You don't get to decide on this. You just receive it. It's so arrogant. Every generation is like, we're going to reinvent church. No, you're not. You're not going to reinvent it. Christ already established it. You don't get to make it up. You get to receive it. Be a part of it. But we're doing a new thing. They did that long time ago. You just don't know it. Right? That's important for us. I want to be a part of it. And it's going to hurt to be a part of it. It's going to hurt to turn it around. It's going to hurt to stop making it a consumer-centric environment in which we go to get our spiritual cookies. Y'all been to that Christie's cookie ATM? It's amazing. What is it, a cupcake? Some of us treat church like that. Go with the cupcake machine. All right, I'm going to have to get off my uh, soapbox and stop my rant and just give the word here. Uh, Second Timothy, my wife said, yeah. Uh, Second Timothy, um, she's going to keep me in line. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 17 said that the man, everybody, everybody say, or the woman. It's, it's both. The man or the woman of God may be complete. What does it look like when you're complete? It's when you're equipped for what? Work? I thought I'd just be like super holy. I thought I would achieve a state of holiness where I didn't have to do anything anymore. Listen, you don't show me how holy you are by the less serving you do. You show me how holy you are whenever the hard jobs come up and you volunteer for them. Yeah, no one wants to do that. That's me. That's going to be me. And you know what? That sucks. But you do it anyway. I remember one time I was in Mozambique with Heidi. And uh, we're out in this village real far away. And uh, we just finished the Jesus film and the evangelism and preaching on the back of a truck bed. And it was probably around midnight. And we were eating tuna spaghetti. I know that sounds a little crazy, but in Mozambique, you get a little tuna fish out of the can, you mix it up with some spaghetti noodles, and then you put some mayonnaise on it, and you mix it up. And I know it sounds a little crazy, but it's actually slamming. And so we were, we were having some tuna spaghetti with Heidi, and you know, one of the things about following apostles is it's hard to follow an apostle. This is one of the things I learned. It's hard, because they're kind of like bulldozers. Like you get in their way, they're going to bulldoze you over, right? It's like, they'll do it with love, but they're like, hey, I am more committed to the call of God on my life than your comfort. I love you and I'm for you, but every now and then I'm going to have to tell you, you need to work. I'm so sorry. Work, right? So she gets this idea. She says, you know... This village doesn't know the Lord. We're going to do an all-night prayer. She don't mean me, Lord. Who's 
going to take the midnight to one shift? You know, people are like, I better go ahead and get that one. Because I'm already up. Who's going to take the one to two? A few more here. Who's going to take the two to three? No hands. Okay, well, somebody can just do two to four. And man, it was like the Holy Spirit took a hammer and that's going to be me, Mama Heidi. Oh, I don't want to do it. That's going to be me. Right? Because there's certain moments in which it's like, man, no one wants this job. If I'm called as I believe that I am, then that's the job for me. I'm going to wash the smelly feet. Okay, yeah, I say yes. And you know what? I could have slept, and I'm sure it would have been fine. But because I said yes, I got to stay awake at 4 a.m., and I heard an amazing missionary by the name of David Hogan get up out of his tent and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost as he was walking around the campsite. And then I watched as a man came out of his tent uh, from uh, the, the corner of the village and walked to us and received Jesus, who had been a witch doctor up all night, cursing us, but because of the intercession that broke through, he came to Brother David and said, I need to know Jesus. And the witch doctor in the village got saved. I'm telling you, when you step over that threshold of your comfort, you will discover why you are alive. I'm telling you the truth. If you're bored in church, you are just not surrendered enough. Listen, you're on the other side of your yieldedness is your adventure. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will have you in places that you hate, and yet your soul will be satisfied because you're surrendered. And this is what the fivefold ministry is designed to do for us. It is designed to push us out of our comfort zones and put us in places of working and serving and being a part of the ministry because the fivefold ministry is called to equip us. They are called to equip us. Everybody say equip. This is the first real point. God has placed you, everybody say me, me. in a local church to be trained and equipped. Everybody say equipped. equipped. By biblically qualified leaders. And if you want to know what I mean by biblically qualified leaders, Leader, you can read 2 Timothy and Titus and you can look at the job description of an elder and those are the type of people that are supposed to be leading in a local church. If you cut things out of that description, they're not biblically qualified. So no, you can't just create your own church. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm teeing off on a whole lot of sacred cows today. Well, I've decided... Good luck, buddy. (laughs) Equip. We are supposed to be equipped. What does equip mean? It means to be prepared. It means to be perfected. It also means to bring to a condition of fitness. So it's 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 like a personal trainer in the Holy Ghost. And they specialize in bodybuilding. Get it? But it makes a lot of sense to me, and here's why. Because when you look at the word equip, you get pictures. So that's something beautiful about Hebrew and Greek is they give you these illustrations. And one of the things about equip is that they actually look at one area and they bring adjustment to one area for the purpose of making the whole more healthy. Right? So my brother-in-law, he's a personal trainer, and he'll tell you, I think, that there are certain places in the body that you may be thinking are weak, but the problem is not that place, it's the things that surround it. Well, your knee's hurting because your quad is weak. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm gonna make an adjustment here to your training regimen, and we're gonna strengthen your quads, and then boom, your knee pain goes away. You see what I'm saying? So like as a pastor, I'm called to do some similar type of work. There are some times where 
there are symptoms or deficiencies that are operating within the body that God equips us with his word that he asked me to deliver that on the surface don't look like they're very applicable, but if we'll receive what God has to say, we'll notice that something that we thought had no attachment to that thing over there all of a sudden got resolved because we're living God's way. See, everything's connected. It's attached. This is the purpose of equipping. It may seem like a small adjustment. You may say, I don't even struggle with that. But then the Holy Spirit keeps coming after it. It may seem like a little thing. God, this is not even sin. Yeah, but I want it. Because I'm not putting my finger on sin. I'm, I'm grabbing hold of your heart and talking to you about righteousness. Are you with me, church? I know we need to finish quickly, and I'm going to work on that. Here's the next point. You are being equipped for the purpose of working. Everybody, everybody say working. Now, I know that is not a word that we enjoy hearing, but in verse 12, Ephesians 4 says, to equip the saints for something, what does God tell us that our leaders are supposed to equip us to do? Come on, church, don't check out on me yet. What are you called to do? Did you convince yourself when you just said that or not? Come on, what are you called to do? I'm called to work. I am called to work. Um, what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 10, verse 2? He told them, the harvest is plentiful. It sounds like that Jesus was having the same problem in his generation that we're having today in our generation. Everybody wants to be called, I'm anointed, but nobody wants to work. Okay, so you want a harvest without sowing any seed. Got it. Tell me how that works out for you. That's called immaturity and entitlement. But we got a whole lot of people, guys, stuck in this place of immaturity and entitlement, expecting somebody else to do the work on their behalf to get the anointing that they've been praying for. I wish I could tell you, you can get the anointing based upon somebody else's merit, but that's not the way that it works, baby. There is no Black Friday when it comes to the anointing. I wish there was a discount. I wish I could mail in a rebate coupon, but the anointing just cost what it cost. And so if you're trying to be drippy, if you're trying to walk in the sauce, <laughs> some of you guys are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. If you're trying to be anointed, let's go old school church. If you want that anointment, You're gonna have to pay a price and it's gonna look like work. How's this going over? And it's gonna look like work. You have to put some calluses on those hands. You're gonna have to have some dirt underneath them fingernails. You can get a manicure too, that's still all good, but you're gonna have to work. And the type of work that you're called to is ministry. That's the next point. The type of work that you're called to is ministry. Anytime you look at the biblical word ministry, you are gonna find the biblical word serving. Every single time, you cannot look at ministry in the scripture and not see serving. But unfortunately, when we look at ministry, we think leadership. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you're going to have to be small. If you want to lead, you're going to have to become a servant. I tell you the truth. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you really feel that calling to be on stage, I want you to become comfortable to the point where you enjoy being on the floor. to the point to where the altar becomes more desirable than the stage. I'd rather be here, God. If I get to experience you like this, Lord, I'd rather be here. Don't put me up there. I don't wanna be distracted by the fear of man. I don't wanna be distracted by the lights. I don't wanna, I just want you, Lord. And I'll go up there if you want me to, but I can't leave you. I gotta have more of you. I know where my help comes from and it ain't a microphone. I, I, I know where joy comes from and it's not influence. I, I know where my soul can be satisfied and it's right here. You see what I'm saying? 
I don't know if I'm driving my point home very well today, but I'm telling you, I'm passionate about this because, because I want to raise up, and I don't think it's me. I think it's the Lord. I mean, I'm disheveled at this point. I don't think it's me. I think it's the Lord because God is building a house here that is not your average local church. And that is not meant to be a competitive or a comparative statement to any other church. All I'm telling you is, is that we all got the same mission, but Jesus manifests vision uniquely through different families. And the vision that he has for us is to go from Nashville to the nations, to establish kingdom expressions in 12 cities in the earth, Calhoun, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, Dallas, Texas, Los Angeles, California, Seattle, Washington, Toronto, Canada, New York City, New York, London, England, Bali, Indonesia, Seoul, South Korea, Tokyo, Japan, and Berlin, Germany. Those are the 12 cities. We didn't ask for them. We didn't say, God, we really want to go here. Those are cool. Bali, Bali. We could vacation while we do. No, it wasn't any of that. It was the Lord said, I want you, this happened on my 35th birthday, to spend the next 35 years of your life pouring into the house that I've asked you to serve and go after establishing these places in these cities. And in the process, I want you to begin an educational program that'll serve little kids from kindergarten all the way up to college age. So we launched Legacy Academy and now we're launching LSM and we're serving people from K to six and now college age. And I want you to feed 100,000 orphans. And we're getting to do that by donating $50,000 this year to Iris Global. Listen, the, God has a unique vision. And so our house, it has to function different. I wish I could tell you, come in, get your seven steps to smiling more. We might be able to build bigger if that was my ambition. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. It's God who gives the increase. But that's not God's design for us, church. I'm, I, I'm telling you, you're going to come to a church and you're going to hear words like this. Work. Minister. Serve. Lead. Get involved. Well, I don't want to. Well, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. At some point, it's going to get awkward. You ever go to a Thanksgiving and you got that entitled, immature uncle who sits in the lazy boy while everybody else cleans up lunch? Yeah. They're weird. It gets awkward. They're like, man, uncle is sitting over there again, refusing to wash the dishes. He's like, somebody get me a beer. And it's like, we don't like you, bro. Yeah. I want it to be like that for people who are like, I ain't never serving. Come on. I ain't, I'm just, I'm just going to go for me. Listen, if you have a list of things you won't do, you won't do. You're, you're really not ready to do anything in ministry. I'm just going to give you a, a short rant. Not like I haven't already been on one, but just a few things that I thought was important. This is for those of you who are like, I'm called by God. I want to be an office gifting. I want to be a minister. I'm called to lead. Listen, if you can't steward a mop, with a good spirit, you're not ready to steward a mic. Even if you are the best mopper that there has ever been, if you don't have a good spirit, it's not excellence. If the only qualification for ministry you accept is preaching, well, you've got blinders on. And there's a whole lot more expressions of ministry that Jesus wants to show you. If you refuse to be hidden, you're not ready to be made visible. If you want a timeline for when you should be in the ministry role that you want, your timeline is wrong 100% of the time. Because God's not on your calendar, honey. And I wish that it worked like that, but he is God and you are not. Listen, I know this is important and I have one last point. But I, I wanted to share just a couple of testimonies while we're closing. Last point is this. All of our ministry work is done together for one great purpose, to build up the church. That's what verse 12 says. Why is all this work done? For the building up of the body of Christ. Listen, once you've been built up, your job is to build others up. It's, it's not to be self-absorbed and be selfish 
We, we got to move from being consumers to contributors. Man, I've been blessed. I've, I've been helped. I'm going to be the borrower, not the lender. I was once down, but now I'm up. I ain't going to be the tail. I'm going to be the head. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to be a part of the solution, not contribute to the problem. I am going to be a part of the ministry in the church that Jesus has planted me in. You serve Jesus by serving his bride, by the way. If you want to be good to me, you know one of the best ways you can do that? By being good to my wife. And by being good to my kids. That's, that's one of the ways you can be good to me. Don't tolerate sitting on the sideline another Sunday. Don't tolerate it. Say, I want to get in the game. Now listen, I'm not just talking about what you want to do. I'm talking about where the church needs you. Well, I would serve, but what I want to do, position is filled. Well, where does the church need you? Plug in there. All right? Now, if you're thinking, you did this whole sermon to show me a QR code to get me to serve. I actually didn't. But I told my wife afterward, I said, if we're going to do a proper activation, we need to tell people where to sign up to serve. All right? So there might be something on the screen. I don't know. But for sure in the seat back in front of you, there is a little pamphlet or something with a QR code. You don't have to rush to get it. Like, you know how when Heidi was like, who's going to pray? And everybody's like, but I, I want to ask you to um, ask the Lord if this word was from him or not. And, and if he says yes, ask him a follow-up and say, is it for me? And if he says yes, don't let yourself talk yourself out of getting involved in some capacity in your church, all right? You know, I was thinking as I was um, putting this message together about a few of our leaders here, and I just wanted to give them a shout out before we prayed and closed up. Uh, Brian Nera, one of our elders here and our worship director, don't you guys love Brian? I don't, I don't see him in here. He's probably looking after his kiddos, but you know, um, when Brian showed up, he volunteered to join the Christmas choir. And that's how he got involved in the ministry here. He asked his wife to film an audition of him singing Waymaker in front of a Chipotle. See, I, I, I give him a shout out because that's somebody who says, there ain't no role too small for me. Brian had just... He was on The Voice, if y'all don't know that. Hey, he just sang the national anthem at the Chiefs game on Thursday. Come on. Celebrate the victory of our brother. That's awesome. Opportunities, that's great. But when he showed up, he said, I don't need to lead work. I'll just be in the Christmas choir if that's where it's needed. Y'all had auditions, so I'm going to sing Waymaker in front of the Chipotle. It's what was needed. Um, Todd had to leave with his son, but when, when Todd first showed up here, he had led worship all over the world with YWAM and other people, and he played a guitar in the background because we didn't have no stage lights. So he was literally in the dark for more than six months before he got to be a background vocalist because we didn't even know he could sing. Brian Eggers, who's playing keys behind me right here. Yeah, who, whom, whom everybody loves so much. Uh, we actually teased we were going to get a T-shirt said, I'm loved like Eggers. Because that would be the love of the Father right there if you were loved like him. Brian has served in every single technical area of this church, especially areas that he didn't even know how to do. He just learned. And when he joined in with the ministry here, he was delivering auto parts full time. And he took a job, we could pay him a couple hundred dollars a week, and he worked a full-time yeah. here at Legacy. Yeah. And I, I say that because if you're a young person in the room and you're like, I wonder what it takes to work for a church. Yeah. I don't know what it takes to work for every church, but I do know the spirit required to work for this one. Yeah. 
When Allison and I first started this church, we're celebrating six years. Do you know the first year we filed taxes on $4,000? And those were all gifts from Heidi Baker so that we could buy groceries. Thank God, like Cash App was a thing. And Carl and Lila let us live in their basement for free. It took us four and a half years to be able to earn an income from the church that we now hire people at when they come on full time. I, I share that with you because if you're thinking, oh, it, you know, I'm just going to pioneer into me. I'm, I'm a so anointed. They're going to recognize me. Listen, you may have to do like Michelle Fairber, who's also one of our elders. I'm telling you guys, on a pauper's salary, I hate to call it that, but that's all we could provide. She worked overtime and commuted an hour and a half every day to serve your kids. This is what it takes. This is what you're a part of. And I want you to, I want you to know that if, if you have a philosophy that the reason that you tithe is to pay full-time staff to live your Christian life for you, we got to repent of that today. You don't tithe to me. You don't tithe that. You tithe the, to the Lord. All right, let's stand and pray. Um, I know I've probably uh, dragged out this word for as long as I possibly could, but you know what? I'm enjoying these last few weeks before we have three services. Because when three services come, we're going to have to emphasize the importance of God's people. And we may not always get to do what we want to do, but we'll do what we need to do to honor God's word and to serve God's people. And church, that's maturity. Church, that's maturity. Until we all come to that maturity, that's what we're going after, amen? Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would all become mature believers, not tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine, not, not by the craftiness and cunning of human scheming, but that we would be anchored in Jesus Christ and the Word of God, immovable saints, people who are mature and fruitful, not only in their character, but also in their ministry. God, we've got some world changers that are a part of this family, and we declare in Jesus' name, we shall rock the nations. We shall rock the nations with the word of God. We shall rock the nations with the worship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.